uh, I think most people in evangelicalism, when they see a squirrel, thinks of Gene Clyde. It's really strange when you think about it. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It's Thursday, the 26th day of January, 2023. We are sliding into February. We have almost got the, the first month down and uh, just watching the year start to go by. Um, every year goes by faster. Uh, it just every year goes by faster. Um, weird things you think about when you're lying in bed going to sleep. Last night, I'm lying in bed going to sleep. And for some reason... The opening credits of the old um, soap opera, Days of Our Lives, came into mind. And that opening line, like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. And I got to thinking about the brevity of life. And every day goes, you know goes by and it goes into history and you never get that day back. You don't get that time back. And there's a limited number of grains in the hourglass. And those days are slipping by. And statistically, you know, there's a lot less life in front of me than there is behind me. Um, you know, I'm 57, I'll be 58 in July. Um, which doesn't sound nearly as old as it used to. Um, my dad passed away when he was 67 and that's 10 years away for me. And, and that's that in itself is, is sobering. Life is short. And uh, as one of the, one of the men in my, uh, it's Thursday. So I get up early for prayer meeting, uh, um, zoom into a, a prayer meeting with a bunch of, uh, GBTS students. There's a bunch sitting around a table there in Arkansas at the seminary, and then half a dozen guys or more that usually log in. And we do this every week. We get together on Thursday mornings and, and pray for each other, pray for the school, pray for our churches, pray for our families, all that stuff. And one of the guys used that phrase in, in, the, the, in his prayer this morning saying, you know, teach us to count our days. And it's like, gosh, I was just thinking about that going to sleep last night. Folks, time is short. Time is real short. And, you know, when you're young, you don't notice. But think about how many young people you know who have died car accidents, illnesses, whatever. You know, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. I think that's why the writer to the Hebrews says, today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice today, today is the day of salvation. 
So if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are rapidly approaching the point of no return. You are rapidly approaching the grave. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that comes judgment. And you will stand before your Creator, and you will give an answer for your life. And the standard by which you will be measured is perfect righteousness and holiness. And you will not measure up. If you are judged by the things that you have done, then you will not measure up. You need a righteousness that is not yours. You need a righteousness that you cannot achieve in order to stand before your Creator. And that righteousness has been provided for you by Jesus Christ, who is God immortal, who became a man, who lived the perfect life that you and I cannot live. He died a sacrificial, substitutionary death on the cross to pay for the penalty of your sins. And he lived a perfect life. And if you come to him by faith, your sins, you will find, were nailed to that cross and paid for. And you will receive in their place his perfect righteousness so that you can stand before your Creator not in your own unrighteousness and your own filthy rags, but in the clean white robe of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that is the only hope you have in this life or the next, is to throw yourself on the mercy of the one who made you and call upon the name of Christ for your salvation. So I urge you, if you have not repented of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ, do not wait. You are not guaranteed to wake up tomorrow. And so I would urge you to repent and believe the gospel and be saved. Why would you perish? The days of your life are slipping by. And inevitably, they will come to an end. What then? So think about eternity today. And if you have already come to know Christ, share that message with someone else who hasn't. Because... Their life is slipping away, too. So, this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to Scripture, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. And we webcast at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch, and then you can download the podcast at Spotify, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find quality podcasts we are to be found. And we are a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to christianpodcastcommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. Uh, I've been listening to a couple of new ones this week that I haven't been listening to in a while. Um, And uh, I've been listening to The Bible Sojourner with uh, Peter Gaiman, um, who is a professor of theology at um, Shepherds. seminary in North Carolina. I think it's North Carolina. Um, 
It's either North Carolina or South Carolina. I would have to look. But uh, he's been putting out a, a really good podcast, The Bible Sojourner. I commend that one to you. Good stuff. And uh, his latest episode is an interview he did with uh, my friend Michael Vlock on Mike's Vlock, uh, Mike's new book on uh, dispensational hermeneutics, which I have a copy right over there. Um, great book. And so, uh, so uh, Peter was, was uh, interviewing Mike, and, and a great podcast. I commend that to you. If you ever wondered, what is dispensationalism? Uh, that's a real good introduction would be that podcast because because Mike Vlock is one of the brightest men I know and he has thought deeply about these subjects and it's good stuff and you can find the Bible Sojourner and many other podcasts at christianbiblecommunity.com or christianpodcastcommunity.com and I encourage you to head on over there all right it is theology thursday and we are working our way through the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. And today we're going to be starting chapter 9 of Free Will. And um, because this is the first day with this chapter, I'm going to read through the entire chapter. And I think it's only three or four paragraphs. I have to go back and look. It's not a super long one. Next week, we'll start looking at it paragraph by paragraph and breaking it down. But I just want to, to read through it today, give us an overview. I'll make a few remarks, and that'll be the podcast today. So today's going to be a short one. Um, we got up early this morning for, for prayer meeting. I've got Bible study tonight i got to get ready for. And so today's going to be a short one. And I also want to remind you that tomorrow will be pre-recorded. We will be having our Federalist Friday but I'm going to pre-record the episode this morning. So when you look tomorrow and I'm wearing the same t-shirt, you'll know why. Uh, it's being recorded shortly after recording, or shortly after I go off the air with this one. And uh, the reason is I have been chosen for jury duty. And I have to show up at the courthouse um, the, about the time the podcast normally ends. So I need to... to uh, get up and get going tomorrow and get over to the courthouse unless they call me today. And, and that has happened more than once. I think I mentioned earlier in the week that I have been on the jury pool for, for the Mineral County courts more than once. And I have received jury summons notices more than once. And about half the time I get a summons, they end up settling before it goes to trial and, uh, you know, some sort of plea deal or something. And when that happens, you don't have to go to jury selection, but I've been through jury selection several times. I've sat on two juries, um, note to defense attorneys out there everywhere. Um, if you see my name on a list of potential juries, I, I was on two juries and we convicted both times, just so you know. Um, <laughs> Not because I believe it's because somebody's charged they're guilty, but because the evidence was pretty uh, pretty overwhelming that they had, in fact, committed the crime of which they had been accused. Um, 
So that'll be tomorrow. I have no idea what the case is. You don't know until you show up at the courthouse what it is. The, the last time I went through jury selection, um, I didn't get picked, but, but that was actually a murder trial. Um, and the, I sat on a negligent homicide jury uh, regarding a, a highway accident that, uh, where a, uh, a fireman was killed. There had been an accident, and then another vehicle was approaching the, the accident scene and did not take appropriate action and ended up uh, hitting the fireman's truck, and, uh, and the fireman did not survive that impact. It was a sad deal all around. Um, so, you know, jury duty tomorrow, pre-recording the episode, so you will see. I will be here, but I won't be here. <laughs> All right, well, let's begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 1552 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. All right. Well, we are, as I said, going through the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. I actually got a, just got a new book. Dig it out here. It's underneath a stack of... There it is. Just got this. It's a new exposition of the 1689. I haven't done anything more than just look through it. Um... So I haven't been been reading it yet, but uh, it was uh, ed the, Rob Ventura was the general editor, and it's uh, has many many. Let's see if there's a contributor list, just to see who contributed to it. Uh, got some good endorsements: Joel Beakey, Conrad Mbiway, uh Tom Nettles, Ian Hamilton. Got some very good, good uh, endorsements in it. Um, contributors, page thirteen. Let's just see who contributed to this. Uh, page thirteen. There we go. I went too far. Oh, let's see if there's any notable names that I I know here. Um, Nobody I know. Jeff Johnson. Not the same guy. <laughs> I was thinking, I was at a prayer meeting with Pastor Jeff this morning, but this is a different Jeff Johnson. See if I recognize any other names. And I'm not. Sam Waldron. Yep. And I have Sam Waldron's um, book on the 1689. That's one of the ones that I've been reading as I've been going through the 1689. Um, so I recognize a couple names on here. Um, I'm sure they're all 
you know, very bright and and very qualified men. They just don't happen to be guys I know. Can't know everybody, although I've been accused of it. <laughs> All right. So we are looking at today, Chapter 9, and the, the topic of Chapter 9 is of free will. So without any scriptural proofs or anything, I'm going to scroll down. There are four, five, five paragraphs. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, like I said, I'll read through it and then maybe make a couple of comments, and then I'm going to sign off because i got a busy day ahead. And uh, you probably do too. Every once in a while, we'll slip in a short episode and, and get on with our day. All right, 1689, London Baptist Confession of Faith, Chapter 9 of Free Will, Paragraph 1. God has endued the will of man with that natural liberty and power of acting upon choice, that it is neither forced nor by any necessity of nature determined to do good or evil. Paragraph 2. Man, in his state of innocency, had freedom and power to will and to do that which was good and well-pleasing to God, but yet was unstable, so that he might fall from it. Paragraph 3. Man, by his fall into a state of sin, has wholly lost all ability of will to do any spiritual good accompanying, sal accompanying salvation. So as a natural man, being altogether averse from that good, and dead in sin, and not able by his own strength to convert himself or to prepare himself thereunto. Paragraph 4. When God converts a sinner and translates him into a state of grace... He frees him from his natural bondage under sin, and by his grace alone enables him freely to will and to do that which is spiritually good. Yet so as that by reason of his remaining corruptions, he does not perfectly nor only will that which is good, but does also will that which is evil. Paragraph 5. This will of man is made perfectly and immutably free to good alone in the state of glory only. So what is this or what is this chapter saying? It's saying that when man was created, God gave man the ability to make choices. Um, now those choices have always been limited. If you think about it, people that, that talk about free will, um, the, the choices are always limited. I cannot, by an act of my will, float three feet off the ground. My choices are limited. I can choose to walk across the floor. I can't choose to float down the hallway. That would be nice. It would be fun. But I can't do that. My will is limited. And it has always been limited. So mankind does not have an absolutely free autonomous will. But man has the ability to make choices. And that ability was given by God. Originally, we were able to choose, and this is we being humanity, 
and that would have been restricted to Adam and Eve because they were the only ones alive at the time. Originally, man's will had the freedom and the power to choose to do what was good and pleasing to God and to choose to do what was evil and displeasing to God. And because of that, you know, is that man was unstable. Man could go either way. And of course, man fell into sin. And by that fall into sin, man lost all ability to choose to do good. This one bugs people because they always think, well, gosh, people choose to do good things all the time. Not absolutely morally perfectly good. For an unbeliever, and this is a concept it took me a long time to grasp. For an unbeliever, what we think of as good acts are truly sinful. So for an unbeliever, helping a little old lady across the street is a sinful act. Now, I'm not saying don't help little old ladies across the street, and I'm not saying you need to repent of that. It's not a sin in and of itself. But for an unbeliever, it's a sin because of the reasons for doing it. It's not done for the glory of God. Therefore, it's a sinful act. It's done for self-aggrandizement. It's done for self-gratification. It may even be done, I mean, the motivation may simply be, I'm going to help this little old lady across the street because I will feel good about myself. The, the phrase, I've done my good deed for the day. Right? Um, it's a, it's a self-esteem thing. Only that which is done for the glory of God is pleasing to God. And only that which is done for the glory of God is not sinful. And that's one of those things that, that that's a tough thing to grasp. So the, the ability to will to any spiritual good, and they, and they say spiritual here because we're talking about, you know, that, that this even a good act can be spiritually sinful, as I just pointed out. And we're altogether averse from that which is good. You know, uh, Jesus talked about that in John chapter 3, that men, you know, run from the light because they love the darkness and their deeds are evil and they do not want them to be exposed in the light. Um, I mean, really, if you think about, you know, what would be the worst thing that the people around you could do would be to read your mind. Could you imagine having everybody around you know what you're thinking? To know your thought life? That's about the most hidden thing that we have. And our thought lives are not righteous. So, you know, it goes back to our, our sinful thoughts are wicked. And so even though we can look at the outward behavior of a person and see 
them doing quote-unquote good things. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And our hearts are wicked. The natural heart of man is wicked. And we see that. I mean, just truthfully and honestly evaluate your own thoughts and think about the evil you have thought of even just this morning. Because it's there. <laughs> it really is. And so that's why, you know, we're, we're averse from that which is good. We are dead in sin. We are not able by our own strength to convert ourselves. Yeah. I'm not even able on my own to decide to follow Jesus. That volition has to be given to me. And so, paragraph four, when God converts a sinner and translates him into a state of grace. He frees him from his natural bondage under sin, and by his grace alone enables him to freely, enables him freely to will and to do that which is spiritually good. So after we are converted, after we come to Christ, we, we have the ability to choose to do that which is good. And we have the ability not only to will it, but to do it. But at the same time, we can't do it perfectly. Which means, this is what, you have to come back to Isaiah. He says that all of our righteousness is filthy rags. And when we think about that, and we understand our righteousness is the best we can do. Our righteousness is the best we can do. Therefore, how bad is our unrighteousness? So even when we are converted and we have the ability to will and to do that which is good, our doing of that which is good is far from perfect. And that's what he says. Yet so that by reason of his remaining corruptions, he does not perfectly nor only will that which is good, but does also will that which is evil. And then paragraph five. This will of man is made perfectly and immutably free to do good alone in the state of grace of glory only. So once we pass from this life, whether whether Christ returns or whether he calls us his home, when this life is over, then, and only then, will that will be made perfect so that we can choose to do good, we will choose to do good, and we will be able to do good without the taint of corruption. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if he's the first person to say it, but I, I, he was the first person I read it from, J.C. Ryle, talking about salvation. He said, I have been saved from the penalty of sin. Past tense. That happened when I came to Christ. My sins were paid for at the cross, and I received Christ's perfect righteousness imputed to me so that I have st 
there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I stand blameless before the Father. I have been saved from the penalty of sin. So that has happened in the past, when I came to Christ. As I live the Christian life, I am being saved from the power of sin so that I now have the ability to will and to choose to do good. But I can't do it perfectly. So I'm being saved from the power of sin, but that salvation is not complete. But someday, when I go to be with the Lord, you know, whether I go to be with him or he returns, that day, I will finally be free of the very presence of sin. And then I will be able to do what I want to do without the taint of corruption. Oh, what a glorious day that will be. And as I have said um, recently, I believe, we can't really comprehend that. <laughs> we can't think of a existence without the presence of sin any more than a fish can think of existence without the presence of water. Um, but we, we can understand that that will be glorious and it will be much more glorious than anything we could possibly imagine. Far beyond our wildest dreams. And so we can look forward to that. When we are in the eternal state and we are doing the work that God has prepared for us. And, and understand, I do not believe that eternity is going to be sitting on a cloud playing a harp. God has a purpose in creation. And we know there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. There's going to be stuff we are to do. We will serve and worship the Creator forever. It's not going to be endless choir practice. It's not going to be like I said, sitting on a cloud playing a harp. Um, if you're a fan of Farside Comics, one of my favorite Farside Comics is a guy sitting on a cloud, got little wings on the back and a little harp in his hand. And he says, I wished I'd brought a magazine because he looks really bored just sitting on a cloud by himself. That's not the eternal state. That's, that's, a, that's a platonic distortion of the eternal state. There's actually some Gnostic ideas that have crept in, like, you know, that the spiritual world is good and the material world is bad. We have, I've, I've recently started rereading um, He Will Reign Forever, Mike Vlock's book on, on the kingdom. And it's just, reinstating my understanding, reinforcing my understanding that eternity is going to be physical. We are going to receive glorified bodies. We're not going to be disembodied spirits floating around in the ether. We're going to be physical beings in a physical world, and we will have physical things to do which God created us to do. So that as we do what God has created us to do, we will be fulfilled because that's what we're here for. 
And yes, that will involve fellowshipping with one another. That will be involve acts of obedience as we do the tasks that God has given us. That will involve worshiping God forever, being in his presence forever, learning about him forever. Remember, he's infinite, which means we'll never attain perfect and full knowledge of God. Um, so we will have always have something more to learn. We will have a glorifying and satisfying eternal physical and spiritual life. We're not going to be, like I said, floating around on a cloud, playing a harp. Um, might get to do a little bit of that if that would bring you a good, good party. You know, I'm looking forward to to eating pizza in eternity. I'm looking forward to eating, you know, Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A will be there. I have no doubt. Chick Fil A will be there. So that's, you know, something to look forward to is that final time when we are absolutely delivered from the very presence of sin, but we will still have all of this fulfilling work to do as we glorify God and enjoy him forever. So look forward to that. All right, let's end with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The resurrection of the body. That's what I was just talking about. And now the collect for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us from the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings may be ordered by thy governance to do always that is righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, folks, that's Squirrel Chatter for Thursday. I got to pre-record tomorrow's episode and then get on with some other tasks for the day. You have a wonderful Thursday. I pray that your day will be successful and fulfilling and God glorifying. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. And whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.